welcome to the Veranda Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Christine Mills. On the Veranda Entrepreneur Podcast, I feature entrepreneurs while I discuss ways you can grow your business today. Step onto the veranda, get a cup of tea, get comfortable, and let's talk shop. Let's do this. Welcome to the Veranda Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Christine Mills. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Amanda Ziva, the author of 11 books for children and adults. When she's not writing, she's teaching, and she is a wife and mother. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you, Christine. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you on the show. So, you know, to start off, uh, tell us about Amanda. Um, What were you like as a child and your career journey? Absolutely. Well, um, I am a word nerd from Wisconsin. So um, as a kid, I was uh, super nerdy. I was that kid who in class would take notes in like rainbow color markers just because my itch to write was so uh was so strong i was a kid who loved uh back to school back to school supply shopping like i don't know if you're <laughs> like me christine but like just the thought of going in the school supply aisle at target makes me happy um, planners and fresh notebooks and pens like that's still me but that started uh definitely for me as a child um, when I was graduating high school and thinking about what I wanted to go to college for, I had two paths and, uh, one was being a teacher and one was being a writer. And I ended up choosing the path to become a teacher because I knew what that life looked like, right? Like we all had lived that life. We knew a lot of teachers. I kind of knew what their salary would be, like what their schedule looked like. Um, but I didn't know any writers. Like I didn't have any friends whose parents were writers. Like, I mean, our town obviously had a newspaper and stuff, but like, I never met those people. Um, and it just kind of felt like authors lived in this magical, like fairyland far, far away. It didn't feel like a real job. Um, yeah. And so I'm, I'm pretty practical. I come from very practical parents. And so I picked education just because it felt like something I I knew I could do. Um, Right. But then, like, I got my degree. um, I started teaching, and I just couldn't really shake this itch to write stories. Um, And right after my husband and I got married, he coached – he's also a teacher. um, He coached three sports. And so – after school, I would spend a lot of time by myself because he'd be at practice or he'd be at games. Um, and so it, it gave me, like, lots of hours to kind of explore this writing thing, um, you know, before we had kids and stuff. So um, the first time that I got published, there's a there's a website for teachers called Teachers Pay Teachers. Um I don't know if you're familiar with it, but for anyone who's not familiar with it, it's basically like an online rummage sale for teachers, but content related. So like, let's say you're teaching the book, A Wrinkle in Time, and you're brand new to the novel and like, you don't know what you're doing and you want to have some quizzes. Well, you go on Teachers Pay Teachers and type in A Wrinkle in Time quizzes, and you can get them for $4 from another teacher who's made them and used them in her classroom and knows that they work. Um, And so I started putting my content up on this marketplace and they have a request board. 
And on the request board, someone was looking for a writer to continue a series of books that they had started for an independent publishing company. Mm -hmm. And I was like, like, pick me, pick me. Like, I don't know. You know, it was just, it just felt like fate. So I emailed in my writing sample and they did pick me. And so um, I got to have my very first book published. Uh, It's called the Orphan Train Writers Series. A woman named Teresa had written one and another author had written one. And then they asked me to write one. I ended up writing three of them because I was so excited about it. And then I kept pitching ideas to this Teresa who owned this small indie press. Like, what if we did a series about princesses? Or what if we did a series about this? Like, I just kept throwing ideas at her because I was so excited to write books. And she, I think, got tired of me um, <laughs> asking her things. And so she was like, well, I can teach you how to do this for yourself. She was using CreateSpace, which is now KDP, Kindle Direct Press, right. um, for Amazon. But, like, it was back when it first just came out and, like, people didn't really know about it. So she was indie publishing through that, but, like, collecting other people's stories and doing it, like, as a publisher. Um, So she's like, I can teach you how to do this for yourself. And I was like, ooh, like game changer. Um, And so then I didn't have anybody to tell me no. And I just started publishing books and I haven't looked back. Um, So that's like how I went from high school to college to teacher to writer. Um, Eventually, um, I left my full-time teaching job to teach part-time at a college and focus more on writing. Um, Okay. And then the pandemic hit, right? And uh, we couldn't do author conferences. We couldn't do author events. We couldn't go to book clubs. Like, we couldn't do anything. Um, And I kind of had an epiphany during this time that, like, hey, I know how to do this thing. I know how to self-publish books. I also have a master's degree in education. So I know how to teach people how to do things. Like, I can break things down into, you know, followable steps. Um, listen to me, followable, that's not really a word. Um, okay, you're right, you can make up a word. <laughs> you can actually yeah. see it. <laughs> like in, into bite-sized steps, right? And so I kind of used the pandemic time to like put my materials together so that I could not only teach and write, but I could teach people how to self-publish. And so uh, that, that brings me up till now when we're coming out of the pandemic and trying to do all the things yeah that's an amazing journey I love how you had um you always loved buying school supplies I get so excited (laughs) about new pencils and I I don't as a writer I'm sure you are just as excited about an empty notebook like that makes me very excited yeah Yeah, but I told myself that I have to write in them. Like, I, I as as a writer, do you hoard them? Do you like have lots of pretty notebooks you don't write I, in? I do, I do because it's like they're always on sale, especially the ones at Target and then Michaels, uh-huh. and, and and then they always have these cute illustrations. But um, yeah, it's very exciting to like crack open a new notebook. You know, it's, yeah, it's very exciting. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah, but um, this is really neat. So. You were saying that um, the pandemic changed a lot, and then you went into creating courses. Um, so tell us about your courses and how can um, people be a part of it who are listening and they want to 
self-published? Like, what can they hope to learn in your courses, and how can they be a part of it? Yeah. Um, okay, so I have one course that focuses primarily on um, self-publishing, book marketing, and then, like, leveling up your author career. And I call it the Take Action Author Plan because, really, you just have to get started. Like, a lot of people say, oh, I have this idea for a story or I want to publish a book someday. And like the difference between those people and, and you and I is, is, is that we did something about it. We took action. Yeah. I think that when people know what the steps really are, then they can do it too. Like when I was first starting, if I didn't have Teresa to tell me like, hey, this is what you do. Like I could have stayed in that unpublished zone for so long just because I didn't know what I didn't know. And so my goal is to be that person for someone who wants to self-publish but just doesn't even know where to start. Um, so the course is broken down into three sections, uh, self-publishing 101, in which I walk you through all the steps to publish on Kindle Direct Press. Um, I also in there include like how much I paid along the way for each of those steps, like what's an average rate for a copy editor? Like what are some different ways you can design covers and how much do those options cost? Um, you know, how many books did you order? Things like that. And then I do a case study and I tell you for my book close quarters, this is how much I paid for each step along the way because I think there's a lot of um, like just lack of knowledge about that too. Like, I think before someone gets into self-publishing a book, they should know up front, like, what's their investment? Um, because I think a lot of people have this idea of, like, oh, I'm going to publish a book and it's going to be my retirement. Or it's going to, no. you know, be right. <laughs> so, um, so I just wanted to be up front. And then I also tell, like, one year after I publish that book, like, how much have I made? Like, so you can realistically know what your expectations should be. Um, so that's the first section of the course, Self-Publishing 101. The second section is Book Marketing 101. And so I talk to you about different ways to sell your book. Um, and you know, it's, uh, you know the movie Field of Dreams? We're a baseball family in my house. So uh, yeah. they say, if you build it, they will come. Um, and yeah. in, the, in the book publishing world, I think sometimes people think, like, if you write it, they will buy it. But um, no. that's not really <laughs> true. Um, <laughs> Like, even sometimes your family and friends, you're like, why haven't you bought my book yet? Um, and so <laughs> I talk about the different ways that you can sell your book. And, like, a lot – it's, like, same thing with bookstores and libraries. People are like, well, of course they'll want my book. Well, it's not that easy. There's a lot of different things that go into it. So, like, I give you the best ways to approach bookstores. But then also things to think about outside of bookstores and, like, when you are at a bookstore or you're at an author conference, like you are competing against a bunch of other authors and chances mm -hmm. are they're, they're more well-known than you are, especially when you start. So what I found more success in doing is going to places that are focused on a topic related to my book where there are not other authors. So for example, one of my children's books, is called the birthday cache and it's about geocaching and so i go where geocachers are because if there's a person there who that is their favorite pastime and hobby even if they're not a reader if they see a book about something that they love they're going to want to buy it 
So I'll go to geocaching events. My book is sold on um, like the biggest geocaching website. Um, and like, that's an easy sell for them. Like as a kid, I was a gymnast. So any book that had anything to do or any movie that had anything to do with gymnastics, I wanted it. So if you can think about what, um, you know, what hobby or topic is in your story and like the people who like that thing, like if your book like features a character who's a knitter and sells things on Etsy, then like you want to be where the knitters are. If right. your character has like this incredible garden that they spend so much time like cultivating and toiling in, then like be where the gardeners are. Um, and and search out those opportunities rather than like the very basic bookstore. Does that make sense? I love that idea um, because I, I was listening to another podcast. No, I was reading a book. And you know the author of Rich Dad Poor Dad, Kiyosaki? Mm-hmm. He sold his books at a car wash. <laughs> and, you know, and I, when I read that story, I was like, wow, there's something to that. And a, a guy who wrote a book inspired by Rich Dad Poor Dad bought his book at the car wash. So I think sometimes, especially when you're a self-published author, you really have to think outside of the box because – um, you need to be places where the enthusiasts are already there versus mm-hmm. at book fairs. And I've been to book fairs. They got to be tough because everybody there is doing the same thing you're doing. And you're right. They may be more popular. They may be bestsellers. And a lot of times it's more expensive than if you were to go to these other places as well. Right. Yeah. Your table fee as an author to present or to sell at places like that. And like, People who go to book fairs, like, yes, they love books, but, like, chances are they commit to buying, like, all right, I'm going to buy five books when I'm here. Well, there's, like, 50 authors, so which five yeah. people are going to get their money? Um, you're right. It's just, like, it's it's expensive to go to these book fairs. Um, you know, I always feel guilty when I go there as a as a um, buyer because it's, like, I can only buy so many books. <laughs> right? <laughs> Versus if you go somewhere, like, again, like a – garden enthusiast show you're you're going to be one of the few there selling books so that's a very smart idea good well i'm I'm glad you liked it um so the 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 second uh module of the course or section of the course book marketing 101 i just share more tips like that and ideas um and i give a lot of examples that have worked for me not because I want to talk about myself, but for me as a learner, I do better when I see the theory in action and I can see what it looks like for someone else. And then I can think about what it might look like for me in my books. Um, and then the third section is called the ABCs of authorpreneurship as a word nerd, like the idea of having one idea per letter of the alphabet just made me so ridiculously happy. Um, and so I just, <laughs> I just share one like tip, trick, mindset, lesson for every letter of the alphabet in um, the with the end goal of being to level up your authorpreneur career. Like you've got this book, you've learned how to sell it. Like now let's take this to the next level. Um, when you are a self-published author, you are the owner of a small business. Like nobody is going to hustle for you. Nobody else is going to sell your book. Like, nobody else is going to crunch the numbers. You are the one who's going to have to do that. And, you know, like I said, my first 
my only degrees are in education. And so I had to learn this business stuff along the way. And so if I can help people, and I just redid my whole website. I am kind of obsessed with it. It's called Word Nerdopolis, and it's like a city. And so when you get to my internet city, there's like a movie theater, and that's got all my YouTube videos, and there's the blog buffet, and that has all my blog pieces. Um, but there is a general store, and there's a gym, and you can find it in both of those. So you go to the gym for the writer's workout, um, and you can find the Take Action Author Plan there, along with some other things, like I have a blogging bundle if you want to learn how to start a blog. I've blogged every week for the last three and a half years, so just some uh tips and strategies and templates to help you go from like I want to write a blog to like actually having one um, I have another one called story seedlings that helps you get that story idea in your head that's been there forever like finally out and down on paper so you can do something with it um, you can find these all either in the gym of word nerdopolis or in the general store of word nerdopolis it's the cutest website. Oh, my gosh. I was, like, just, like, swooning when I was going through it. And, and you had this little city, and and you had, like, videos explaining what each um, part of the city represents. It was really cute. I really like it. And, Thank you. Um, and I like that you said that you write about business owners because you, you um, think it's a lot less risky than opening <laughs> your own business. And, um, it is. <laughs> it's so fun. You just, like, get to try on these other lives without having yeah. to make the financial investments in it. So, like, uh, one of my stories is called Champion Chocolatier. There's a series of three, and it's about this woman who runs a chocolate shop. And I actually, like, I love candy. It's not a job that I would ever want to have, but um, another series, they own a bookstore, and that's definitely a job I want to have. But, like, of all the people not making money in the book world, like the booksellers are on the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. It, yeah. It was so fun to design the bookstore and to like vicariously work there, but not actually have to pay the bills of it. <laughs> yeah. In my mind, I would love to have a bookstore with nice, really good coffee, really yeah. seating and like my dog just roaming around being friends with everybody. Like, that yeah. just seems really cool, but, again, like, booksellers are – it's a tough business right now. It really is. Yeah. So, one of my, like, ultimate dreams is to have, like, a co-op of authors who own a bookstore slash coffee shop slash meeting space, and they, like, sell each other's books, but they also have a place where they can do book signings and readings and stuff where they don't have to pay for it because they are co-owners of the bookstore and they like all share their hours and uh, it's like a legitimate way to have a, a bookstore and be a writer at the same time. But I, ha I haven't found anybody yet who wants to do it with me. <laughs> I think that's actually a really cool idea. I mean, especially if you're in the right place, you create your own community. Yes. Yeah. That it's makes all a lot about community. And so speaking of community, um, what communities do you think writers should be a part of? I, I know there are Facebook groups, um, uh, writers, workshops. Like what, what communities are you a part of and what would you suggest like um, writers and self-published writers be a part of? 
I am a part of SCBWI, which is Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. Some of my books are kids' books, um, and I have learned more from that organization than any other writing organization. Um, I don't know what it is about the kid-lit world, maybe because we're, like, trying to emulate the people we want our readers to become, but, like, the kid-lit space is so kind. Everyone is so welcoming and friendly and helpful and like they can still be ambitious but not in a way that like is detrimental to other people I feel like sometimes in the adult writing space there's so much competition and like ego and like a little bit of snobbery yeah Um, and it's it's like a hard it's kind of a harder space to be in but the kidlet community is so kind um and SCBWI like is just a fountain of knowledge. They just want to share everything with you so that you can create the best books for kids that you possibly can. So if you write for kids or young adults, um, definitely hands down join SCBWI. They um, have international and national and state chapters like all over the world. Um, Like in Wisconsin, I know we have like, we have our like state chapter, but then we have like five different regional locations that have events like twice a month for people just to meet up with other writers um, and illustrators. Illustrators are a part of that too. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think that the like clout or name of an organization is super important as long as you can find people who love the same thing as you do so like it could be like if you were into karate like you find other people who like karate if you're into archery find the archery people like if you are a writer I think the single best thing you can do is find other people who like writing um and just like talk with them hang out with them like they will understand your your triumphs and like your pitfalls better than anyone else like my husband is so supportive of me but like he doesn't understand the level of excitement or disappointment the way that my friend Christy, who is like my writing BFF does, because he just, he just doesn't know. Right. Um, Right. Right. And so finding those people. So in my town, I'm a part of called the Mississippi Valley Writers Guild. I live right next to the Mississippi river in Wisconsin. Um, Mississippi Valley Writers Guild. And we have critique groups. And like just this week we had our first in-person social and everybody just read something for five minutes that they'd been working on. Um, and just, again, just people to, to share your ideas and get feedback from, um, so those, those are two that I'm a part of one that's, you know, big and one that's just super little and local. Um, and there, you can get like different things from each group. So maybe try out more than one. Um, you might have to try a lot of them so you can find something that's a good fit for you, but, um, you definitely need your people. Writing can be lonely because it's like something you do by yourself um and so I'm an extrovert so I definitely need other people in my life some people might not (laughs) I think writing is so much more fun with friends yeah no that's great I can tell you're an extrovert (laughs) um so I was at a book sale the other day I was at at a winery selling books and I saw the two booths on either side of me like one was jewelry and one was like uh just like handmade wooden goods or whatever 
And they both looked at me because I was talking to every single person that walked by. They're like, you are an extrovert. I was like, I am. And I work (laughs) from home and I go to Target and that's about it. So I'm like getting all my peopling in right now. Like, (laughs) they're like, you talk to a lot of people. I was like, I know, but I also sold a lot of stuff because I talked to a lot of people. You guys didn't talk to people, so you didn't sell anything. Yeah, once people connect with you, it's kind of hard for them not to buy something from you, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that actually, that was um, my blog post today, if anybody wants to go back and look at it. It's called Upping Your, Stepping Up Your Author Table Game, and it's not about, like, blackjack or casinos or anything. Um, <laughs> but about the fact that I would get into a conversation with people who walk past my booth at, like, craft and vendor markets and whatever, and, like, two minutes into the conversation, they'd say, Oh, so you wrote these books? I was like, wow. yeah, I wrote these books. I'm not just some random person, like, out here, like, they maybe thought it was, like, us born or, you know, something like that. But then as soon as they knew that it was me who wrote the books, they're, like, immediately more invested. And so I had to figure out how to communicate that to people, like, especially the people who are just walking by, right? The people who don't yeah. even, like, if it took me two minutes into a conversation to get to that point, I'm missing out on a lot of people. So now everywhere, like my face is all over my booth. It looks like I'm super vain. Um, and it says, <laughs> it says local author, like everywhere. Oh. So that people are like, oh, wait. And like, then like, that's the hook, right? And then they come in um, and ask me about things. So there's a tip for anybody who's going to head out into the, you know, vendor market ring. Yeah, especially now that COVID is opening up. Um, and yeah. so last few questions in this segment. Um, I love that you include readers in your journey. Like on, I was watching one of your YouTube videos and you were talking about your cover, which I love, mm-hmm. um, the covers of your book. And how has it helped the reader engagement when you really, you know, bring people along with, you know, creation to the end result? When people feel like they get behind the scenes sneak peeks or when they feel like they're involved in the process, they are immediately invested in the outcome. And so then if they can be a part of that success, then that makes them feel good and they get a good story. Um, So whenever I can involve people, I do. In my book series, Close Quarters, it takes place in my hometown and Um, I intentionally included 30 local businesses, like different restaurants they went to or where they got their hair cut or even like where they bought their Christmas tree. Like I used the real names. And then when I had the launch party for that book, I invited all of those people to come. And I also asked if they would want to have like their business cards or their swag or like anything out there. Hey, it's Christine. Thank you for listening to the Veranda Entrepreneur podcast so far. I am loving this podcast episode. It's so informative, especially for those of you who are authors or interested in writing your own books. Speaking of which, please be sure to check out christinemills.net and purchase one of my books. Uh, There are three to choose from. One is Dream Chasers. The other one is Young, Gifted and Black Quarter Life as well as uh, Young, Gifted, and Black Midlife. And also, if you're enjoying this episode, please be sure to rate and subscribe to the Veranda Entrepreneur Podcast. I appreciate you so much 
for listening and continuing to download all the episodes. Thanks and back to the show. Okay. All right. So, um, so you got the baker to um, use the, the cover of, I mean, one of her wedding cakes. And you're right. You have the baker and the um, the bride and groom excited about your book because of the cover. That's genius. Yeah. You create your own ambassadors and your network of PR people. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and I got the photo for free, right? I mean, otherwise yeah. you might have to. So it's um, not that everyone should do that for their cover, but it's just thinking creatively and intentionally about your choices along the way. And anytime I can include someone in the process, um, I do. Because, again, writing is more fun with friends. And then you have other people who are going to say, buy this book besides just you. Exactly. And last question, um, and it's twofold. Like, what's next for your writing? Um, and two, do you plan on continuing to self-publish, or do you think you will go the more traditional route? Yeah, those are great questions. Um, right now, I'm working on Champion Chocolatier number four. Um, and in it, the two main characters are going to um, open a boutique hotel. And oh, I love in, it. Yeah, thanks. That's not enough. That's a business I would not open, but it's super fun to, like, design and run a hotel in a book. Um, and I don't have to work the front desk. Um, exactly. <laughs> Um, and there, in that series, there's always a competition in every series. So, like, in the first one, the girl uh, won, her name is Emmy, she won a chocolate shop through a Facebook contest, and she has to turn a profit by New Year's, or the store is going to go to the owner's son. Um, in the second book, she goes on a reality cooking show. In the third book, she and her fiancé are competing in a honeymoon competition to win a honeymoon. And then in the fourth book, um, she's going to hire a college uh, girl to be, uh, who's an interior designer to help her design the hotel because she's so busy running her own chocolate shop that she can't do both. Um, and that girl is going to be in a competition against other college interior design people, kind of like, you know, like an HGTV, like rock the block, you know, yeah. but for a hotel. So um, I'm having so much fun working on that right now. Um, my hope is that it will be out early fall, um, but my kids are home for the summer, so my productivity is not as great as during the school year, but we're working on it. Yeah. Um, and then as far as self-publishing versus traditional publishing, I think that I would, my plan is to continue self-publishing my adult books. Um, I can sell my adult books way better than my kid books um, for a variety of reasons, I think. So when I sell my books to adults, I'm typically selling it like directly to the reader. Like if I were to sell you a book, Christine, it's probably because you are going to read it. You might like give it to your mom or your sister or, you know, cousin or auntie or something. But like most of the time I'm directly working with the person who's going to consume my book. And because they got to meet me, um, you know, oftentimes they'll let me know like, Hey, like Facebook messages. Like I stayed up late and I finished your book last night or like, they'll see me at the grocery store. Like right. it's so fun to be able to connect with adult readers and, um, because, and, and then word of mouth spreads and I'm doing well by my estimations with my adult books. 
With my kid books, I am rarely working with the direct consumer. A lot of times it is the parents or the grandparents or the auntie who's buying the book or the teacher and then giving them to their, their child or their students. And because I'm just like one link removed from that person and they did not have the experience of interacting with me as the author, unless I'm at a school visit, which is amazing. Um, it just doesn't create the same like synergy and like repeat sales as it does for my adult books. Um, the other thing about kids books is the gatekeepers in kids lit are much tougher than in the adult world. So librarians, teachers, parents, like they want the best for their kids. Like yeah. especially if their kid like is a reluctant reader, they like want to go with something they know is going to work. They want household names. They want Newberry winners. They want things that the school library journal has reviewed. And like, I do not blame them one bit, right? I want the best for my kids too. People are less likely to take a chance on a kid's book than they are an adult book. Because if you're an adult and you read a book and you didn't really like it, you're, like, not afraid that that's going to wreck your life as a reader or, like, make you not want to read anymore. But with their kids, they just have such high hopes and expectations. And so it's harder to convince people that they should trust an author they don't know or who hasn't been vetted by the kid lit industry. Yeah. Um, and I don't blame anybody for that. It's the way that it is, and there's good reasons for it. But I struggle to sell my kids' books uh, because of that situation. So I would love to, from here on out, only traditionally publish my children's books, middle grade, YA, um, because I think that with the validation and the vetting of a traditional publisher, I'm going to be able to reach more readers and the time and energy I put in to a kid's story is going to be worth it as opposed to where I'm at with them now. Does that make sense? Makes a whole lot of sense. Wow. You you have it down to the science. You really broke that down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we're going to rapid fire questions. And this is, you just say the first thing that comes to your head. Um, okay. And here we go. Pie or cake? Cake with lots of frosting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Favorite movie? Um, the Proposal with Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds. Such a good movie. Um, favorite vacation spot? Oh, okay. Um, Hayward. Uh, Hayward, Wisconsin. It's northern Wisconsin. We go to this lake house with, like, all my cousins and my sister and her family, my parents. Like, it's, it's like summer camp for a family, and we love it. I know. That sounds amazing. I love it. <laughs> um, if you can spend an afternoon on a veranda with anyone who would it be oh that is so hard um oh oh christine this is so hard like i'm like do i say do i say an author do i say like a a musician like anyone uh, anyone anyone okay i would say Okay, can I say Taylor Swift and people not hate me? I I want to say Taylor Swift. It's fine. Okay. And the last question, and this is going to be easy for you. Biggest advice you would give to a self-published writer? Um, Go for it. Like, dive in. Take action. Do it. Um, when you self-publish, like, 
I look back at my earliest books and I kind of cringe and I don't want people to read them because I know now that I can do so much better. But at that time, that was the best that I could do. And like, if I wouldn't have done that, then I wouldn't have learned what I know now and be able to put out really great books right now. Like if I would have waited, if I wouldn't have done it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have this career that I have now. And like twofold of that, like when you self-publish, you can change anything you want. Like you could give your book a new cover, like the way you change your underwear. Like you can, you can go back and copy edit it. You can, you can fix it up, fluff it up, rewrite the ending. When you self-publish, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, as long as you have the time to do it. So don't be afraid um, to go for it. That's awesome advice. And lastly, how can listeners learn more about you and your society and environment <laughs> that you created? <laughs> um, my website is www.amandaziba.com. Um, and I would love to connect with you there on Instagram. I'm wordnerd underscore Amanda Ziba. Um, I also, I have a YouTube channel. Um, so a lot of the things that I've talked about, I have on my YouTube channel for free. So like, if you want to like try out like some of my content and figure out like, Hey, does this girl really know what she's talking about before I buy her course? Um, it's just, it's called take action author plan on YouTube and you can see some of my videos for free. Cool. Thank you so much, Amanda. This was a gem of a conversation.